Before we begin our podcast, I want to share with you a slightly dramatized story that is all too common for millions of women today. So here's the good news. You have a hot date and you are oh so ready for a night on the town with this new prospect. But here's the bad news. Naturally, you have nothing to wear, so you need to go shopping. You're hesitant, but you're excited at the possibility that you might find the one. You know the type. It's not just a dress, it's the dress. The one that instantly transforms you into a confident, self-assured, someone take a picture because I look so damn good right now type of woman. You enter your favorite store and in the back you see her, your white whale. That mythical confidence boosting frock is in reach. You fiercely rush to the back of the store, knocking women and children out of the way in your haste. You're out of breath. But you're there. The dress is now in your hands and she's more beautiful than you could have ever dreamed. A silky bodice with a curve-hugging silhouette, she's the one. Except for one tiny little detail. They don't carry it in your size. Your dreams are shattered, you're visibly shaken, the dress disintegrates in your hand like a mound of sand, and you quickly realize that the fashion gods have bested you once again. If this nightmare sounds all too familiar, or if you've ever felt depressed while shopping, you are not alone. Fashion is often seen as a transformative addition to our lives. It's the quickest, most visible way for us to communicate who we are, how we're feeling, or even who we want to become, and display it for all the world to see. It's our own personal billboard. And yet, while this is a reality for many, it is actually a nightmare for most. In the age of the body positivity movement and models like Tess Holliday and Ashley Graham landing magazine covers and embracing their curvier figures, you would assume that the fashion industry has followed suit. But that could not be further from the truth. Think about it. If the average American woman wears a size 16, why do most fashion companies use a size 6 fit model to design and manufacture their clothes? If that's the average American woman, why is this still considered a plus size market? Thankfully, we caught up with a brilliant woman on a mission to fix this pervasive problem. In the following interview, Lauren Lockhart and I go deep inside the fashion industry to discuss how it's failing 67% of American women. Better yet, we explore her disruptive plan to positively impact the bottom line and the plus size market simultaneously. Lauren recently graduated from the Savannah College of Art and Design with her master's degree in luxury and fashion management. And she used this very topic for her final project there. I was lucky enough to witness her present this research and to say that it was widely acclaimed by both the professors and the audience alike is an understatement. All right, all right, that's enough from me. Let's get to it. Hey Lauren, how are you doing? 
I'm doing so awesome. And I just want to thank you so much. Before we get in to how the fashion industry is failing such an outrageous number of American women every single day, I just want to thank you so much for spending the time to speak with me about this. I am such a huge fan of your work and everything you did when we were in grad school together just blew me away. And the fact that we can... (laughs) I know you're being humble, but I feel like our audience, you know, has so much to learn from you and you really are the expert in dispelling the myth of the plus size market, right? So before we begin, just go ahead and, you know, give us a little introduction about you. We want to know more about you. Sure. So um, I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama, Uh, lived there all the way until I actually moved to Savannah to go to SCAD for grad school, where I met you. Yay. Um, It was fate. It was a great experience, and it it was great because my whole life I've dreamed of working in the fashion industry, and that was really to me, my critical step to getting there. And funny enough with your topic this month being confidence, you know, the reason I've really always been drawn to fashion is the confidence that I feel it gives me and gives other women. Um, It's for me really all about personal style and the idea that when you're getting dressed in the morning, the outfit that you put on can instantly transform you and make you feel more confident about yourself. And it's a way of expressing yourself to the world without having to say a single word. Right. So that's what's made me always want to work in fashion. So I can, you know, give that feeling to as many women as possible. Absolutely. And I think that's just such a great introduction to what we're going to be talking about today. And I'll never forget one of the first classes we ever had together. We were talking about this exact topic, right? How fashion is such a transformation for all of us. And I remember telling you that I wear certain clothes like high-waisted pants and skirts to make myself feel taller (laughs) and to elongate my legs. (laughs) So I remember that. And I just, I love um, this idea that we become who we want to be, who we want to see in the mirror with fashion. I think that's just so true. So go ahead and tell us more about your final project. Okay, where to begin? So my final project, for me, I wanted to focus on that aspect of confidence. I had always dreamed of being in this industry, and then being in grad school, I learned about um, an area of the industry that, to be honest, I was very ignorant to, um, and that is how neglected the plus-size market is. Uh, so I found out that two-thirds of women, about 67% of women in our country, wear plus-size clothing, and that's categorized generally as size 14 and above. So learning that this many women in our country um, are wearing plus size clothing, but only about 10% of the apparel manufactured is made in plus size um, sizes for these women. So I saw this giant discrepancy, right? Of why do we have so many women and so little um, clothing being made for them? It's an issue of supply and demand. As a marketer, of course, I'm thinking this is a white space in the market. I wanna know why this exists. So my project centered on finding out why there is this discrepancy, why more brands aren't making clothes for plus size women, finding out you know, what is the potential that exists in this market, and then ultimately coming up with a set of guidelines. I mean, I really wanted to create a, a solution to this problem um, of putting together ways that brands who are interested in embracing the plus size market, how they can do it in an effective way. Um, because as we know, there are plenty of designers and clothing lines out there that are making plus size clothing, but it's not successful. Um, right. And there's a reason for that. So I wanted to come up with a solution to really embrace this market. 
let them know they're being heard, they're being listened to, and that they are an important part of a brand's customer base. And I think that's so brilliant. And the fact that they're ignoring two-thirds of the American I mean, that's millions of women that they're yeah. not even caring. I mean, from a business perspective, it's all about making money, right? Like, they don't even... Yeah, then, yeah if, you're not, if you're not making money, then what are you doing? Right. So why would you ignore millions of women and their demands for products like this? And, I mean, that's what we're going to get into, right? Um, and I'm super curious, though. Was there a certain moment in your life that made you decide on this topic? Yes, there was. It, um, it actually all started, I was a couple quarters into grad school, and I read this article um, on the Washington Post. It was written by Tim Gunn, who I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with from Project Runway. I'm a fan. I love that guy. <laughs> I, I adore Tim. And, and honestly, this article made me adore him even more. Uh, the whole article was about how neglected the plus-size market is. Um, and it was a real eye-opener for me because, you know, I'm here in school studying about the industry, wanting to ultimately enter this field, and I had no idea the extent to which the plus-size market is neglected, um, and Tim Gunn did a great job of really outlining that in his article, and as soon as I read that, I was like, I've got to do something about this. You know, this is where I want to be, this is what I want to be doing professionally, um, but I can't continue to promote this message, you know, promote this exclusivity right. um, that so many women are feeling. I mean, I that wouldn't sit right with me as a person to be working in a field um, that is excluding so many of my fellow women. So um, I can see the link for that if you want, because it was an awesome article and it was really the inspiration for my whole project. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, we'll include that article for sure. And I mean, the fact that Tim Gunn, an expert in the field, without a doubt, sees this as a problem. I mean, I think that that says something, right? And I love the idea that you decided to tackle this and create a solution rather than becoming a part of the problem again, which is something that a lot of fashion students like us would typically fall into, right? Um, I, th I think it's something important to say that no one else even tried to tackle this topic, but you knew that this was the right thing to do and you went forward with it. So, um, you know, with that in mind, did you experience any pushback when you were pitching this idea? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I, um, That's I wrong. I into it a couple times with one of my professors <laughs> when I um, had told him that this was the topic that I wanted to do. It was definitely a departure from uh, the typical final project, um, and there were many times this professor told me this would never work. I mean, this is not anything that a brand would actually consider doing. And I was so hellbent on proving him wrong. <laughs> just, but truly not just because it's the right thing to do, but I wanted to prove this would be a great decision for so many businesses in the fashion industry. I wanted to prove that um, there's a reason that this market needs to be considered and why these women are valuable and valid to the industry. Right. Um, that being said, I also had several professors that were very supportive and were completely on my team um, and glad that I was tackling this topic that is so prevalent and so re relevant um, to today's fashion landscape. Right. Oh, absolutely. So let's go ahead and get into your research. So this was your process. You're inspired by Tim Gunn. You say, I want to fix this. Let's tackle this problem. 
you you overcome this pushback from your professors and then you're doing your research what did you find about the average size of the american woman today so first of all there is definitely no average i mean that's good to know well said every woman's body is going to be completely different from the next um, and that's especially true for women who wear plus sizes but one interesting thing that i did find was um so when a a fashion brand is producing clothing, they typically use fit models, right? So they have this model that they use that they fit all their clothing to. And for a lot of brands, that model is going to fall within the range of being about 5'7 and about a size 6. So if you're that size, you have no problem finding clothing. I am not. (laughs) Oh, gosh. The average average woman, um, at least in a piece of research that I found, is about five three five four and is going to be like a size 16 to 18 which would fall within the range of of the plus size category so when that woman is walking into the store she's going to have a lot more trouble finding clothing when it has been fit and designed for a woman who's several inches taller than her and several sizes smaller than her right um but with that being said you know every woman's body is going to be different every woman's proportion is going to be different um you know, we all carry our weight in different areas. Some people are top heavy, some people carry it in their hips or their butts, some people have carry it in their arms, not to mention the differences in height. Um, so I think that is certainly a challenge for brands um, because there's not gonna be a one size fits all solution. You know, you can't make one garment and expect it to fit every woman, but there are definitely steps that a brand can take to keep these different proportions and different body types in mind. Right. So is that how the fashion industry has typically done it, just with that one fit size model, just for, you know, people who might not have gone to fashion school? For that that is understand. the standard. Yeah. Um, just one size. At least, in, at least in my research. And right. the other interesting thing, so we have that kind of base size that's been made. And then when it comes to actually sizing up the garment, so we've got our size six, now we've got to make an eight, 10, 12, 14, and so on. Um, generally that sizing is increased by just adding an inch to every measurement. So you're basically doing like cookie cutter sizing. So if you take your size six and transform it to a size 18, it's literally just gonna be a bigger version of the same dress. You're not taking into account these different proportions. And when you size it up like that, you're gonna end up with a box. Right. Women are different sizes, but none of us are boxes. Yeah, none of us are boxes. I mean, I carry my weight in my thighs, just for everyone to know in case they're wondering. (laughs) And I've noticed, though, that, like, some brands, obviously we all know some brands are different in the way they size their apparel versus others. And for me, as a five-foot-one woman, I... I've always been so frustrated in not being able to find my size. I mean, it's something I've struggled with my whole life. And the fact that, you know, looking at it from the inside, I think it's lazy that they only increase it by an inch, that they're not taking into account the different factors that create their target market, right? That they're trying to sell well, to. another thing too, because that was, that was a big thing for me is trying to figure out, you know, there's this huge market potential. Why is no one taking advantage of it? And what I found is it really is this kind of self-perpetuating cycle. So there are actually a lot of designers out there that have these secret plus size lines that you probably don't know of, like Michael Kors, Calvin Klein, DKNY. They all have plus size collections, um, but they're never advertised. If you actually do look them up, you're gonna see the designs, at least in my opinion, really don't reflect that signature style of each designer. To me, they just don't have the care and attention and 
that unique look right. that the designer's straight size clothing does. So it comes down to, you know, the designers make the plus size line, but they don't put the same care and attention into it. The way that it is merchandised in stores, I mean, how often have you walked into a store and seen a plus size mannequin display? You just don't. You don't. The, the clothing is pushed off into the corner. It's not given um, that same prominence that the straight size clothing is. So as a result, these women come into the stores, they look online, and they don't feel welcome. They don't feel like these styles are meeting you know, their personal style and the way they want to express themselves. So they don't buy it. So it just ends up turning into this vicious cycle where it's self-reflective and it's not changing. Right. Um, because the supply, there is this demand, as we know, from the plus-size market, but the supply is just not meeting up to the quality and the expectations to fulfill the demand. And I think it's interesting that, you know, considering this self-perpetuating cycle, it's taking away what you love so much about fashion. This idea that you can create your own confidence. And now these women who fall into these size categories cannot. So I I love the fact that you decided to just tackle that on headfirst. So with that in mind, how do we currently define plus size? And do you think that this might be the correct term to use when we're looking at these size ranges and for the American woman? So plus size is generally categorized as a size 14 or higher. Um, and that's if we're dealing with numbered sizes. And then, um, so that means straight size, um, it's gonna be a size 12 and below. So if you hear me using that terminology, that's what I mean. Um, that being said, there is a lot of contention with the term plus size, and is it a term we should still be using? Right. Um, that was another important thing for me doing my research is trying to figure out, should we even still be using this term? Um, because there is a lot of stigma associated with it. And I actually got to research and, I mean, interview several um, plus size women to get their take on the situation. And going into it, I was kind of expecting everyone to say, get rid of the term plus size, I hate it. Um, but actually, not all women felt that way that I interviewed, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, a few actually mentioned the the term can be helpful. So, for example, when they go into a store and they see, okay, here's the plus size clothing, I know I'm going to be able to find clothes that fit me. Or you go into a plus size specific store like Lane Bryant or Torrid, um, you know, my size will actually be here. It's not going to be as much of a struggle to find clothes that fit yeah. me. Yeah. So there is a certain level of helpfulness, at least in today's current landscape, because there is so little supply of plus size clothing. But I think the real issue um, is not the term itself, but the the connotation of it and what's associated with it. So it's the idea that plus is extra or different or it's not normal, right? Um, which in reality is the majority of women in our country. It is the most the normal. <laughs> Exactly. Right. Exactly. So it's like this is the normal, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the other thing being how, for me at least, it's not the word itself, but it's the segregation. Um, so it's the fact that plus size clothing and plus size models and advertising are not integrated with straight size clothing and models. Mm. So, like I said, when you go into a store and that plus size section is sectioned off or you watch an ad on TV and all of the women are a size two. Right. Um, it's when we start to integrate um, these women that wear a size 14 or higher into everything else that's going on, then to me the term plus size loses that negative power. Um, I think that's an excellent so point. It's, it's reclaiming. About, 
it's it's all about inclusivity and I think if that's going on then you know we're in a good place that's perfect that's so well said I love that idea of inclusivity I think it's something as a culture we it's very much relevant right now right we're grappling with it and trying you know a lot of brands are either acknowledging it or they're not and that you know, goes not only to clothing sizes, but also ethnicities and religions, et cetera. I mean, that's a hot word right now. And I think the fashion industry is doing themselves a disservice by not embracing it. I'm sorry, I got to like calm down for a second, but just (laughs) hearing how it just, it's so fascinating to me that they, like you were saying, this idea of segregation and how they're not acknowledging the problem. Um, So, I mean, let's talk about that a little bit more. How do you think that the fashion industry as a whole is not serving this large target market? So in my research, I found kind of five key points, five key areas where I think um, the industry is failing the plus size customer. Um, Three of them are uh, sizing, pricing, and design. And those are kind of more on the production side of it. Like we were talking about earlier about the use of fit models. Um, and how these models are one specific size. Um, So I won't get into all of the kind of nitty gritty of that, but the other two points that I identified were the placement or basically how um, this clothing is merchandised. um, And that's both in stores and on online websites as well. And then how it's promoted. So that's anytime you go on social media or you're watching an ad on TV or see an ad in a magazine, Um, all of that, how this clothing is promoted. Those are two areas that I think, uh, are failing the plus size customer. Interesting. All right. So now every time I like look at a website, I want to make sure I see models on there, you know, that represent a more inclusive size range. So I'll give you an example of a company that's doing it well. Yeah. One of my favorite brands, Aerie, which is the, it's like the sister company of American Eagle. They do like loungewear and lingerie and PJs and, um, they, for anyone who's familiar with it, they did their Airy Real campaign that mm-hmm. started several years ago, and they kept it going where they said they were never going to Photoshop their models anymore. Love it. Love it. So not only did they stop Photoshopping their models on their website and in their promotions, but they also started including a diverse range of women as their models. So if you go on their website and are searching for something, you're going to see women of every body type, every size, every ethnicity, and it's so refreshing to see it. Right. Um and not only is it, you know, wow, this is such a good thing they're doing, but it boosted their sales. Um, I was re- I was researching that because I wanted to find case studies of companies that are doing this well, and is it actually working? And for Aerie, it totally is. Um, so it goes to show that taking this more inclusive approach um, really can do good things for your business. That's excellent, because it always, when it's in business, of course, it always comes down to the money, you know? So with that in mind, is there a company that you think could benefit from embracing more of a plus size mentality? Well, I think there's a lot that could. (laughs) (laughs) I know, that's a really big question. (laughs) I did, so for my project, I wanted to take, you know, these guidelines that I had developed and actually apply it to a real life scenario to see here's how a specific company could do it. Um, And the company that I chose was Millie, which is an American sportswear brand. And there were a lot of reasons that I chose it. One being it's American, I think, with the, the body positivity movement and this kind of plus it's equal and, and the good things that are happening within our country. I wanted to pick um, an American company. And it's also, I think, at a good price point. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's important. 
I have looked at some kind of mass merchandisers too, um, but I think it's important to make a change in the industry. You have to start at the top. So um, she's like a premium level designer. It's, I love her dresses. I will say that. <laughs> yes. Um, that was no, I didn't just pick it just because I love it. <laughs> there was a strategy. It's a, it's a good price point where it is affordable for many women, but still very good quality. And another reason I picked Millie was it's a brand, which everyone needs to go on their Instagram because it's awesome, but it's a brand that really celebrates female empowerment. Love it. Um, she's got these awesome, they're called Millie Tees, these kind of graphic t-shirts that have these very empowering but kind of fun and cheeky messages to them. And Michelle Smith, the founder and designer, also just has this very, like, girl boss, like, I'm taking on the world um, attitude to her. And I think for a company like Millie, whose mission is empowering and celebrating women through clothing, you can only, you know, push that message even further by making sure you're including all women um, right. in your customer base. So that was why I chose them for my specific case study and kind of applying all of this research and these solutions I came up with to them. Me- Millie better be listening to you. That's all I got to say. I'm, like if I was a fashion CEO, I'd be like, okay, I'm hiring this girl right now. She's going <laughs> to gonna help me make some money. Um, so here's another question, right? Through your research, what impact do you think that the hashtag body positivity movement has had? Because when we're talking plus size and embracing it and inclusivity, one of the first things that I thought about was the body positivity movement and how influencers today are really helping drive that message home. Oh my gosh, there are so many women out there contributing to this idea of body positivity that has done so many good things for so many women. I think for so long, being plus size has been seen as this kind of temporary status of, I'm only this size until I lose the weight and get to be a size two or or whatever. But now, like this body positivity movement is showing like, I'm beautiful and I'm confident and I love my body no matter what size I am. And I love myself exactly the way I am. And so much credit needs to be given to those influencers who are pushing that message forward. I mean, that's people like Tess Holiday, um, Gabby Fresh. She is so cool, by the way. I want she Gabby doesn't know it. Right. We're gonna be like, best friends with her. Just so you know, she doesn't know it yet, but we're we're gonna chill. <laughs> well, not just Ashley Graham. Um, oh yeah, yes, of course. I, I could go on and on. There's so many out there that have helped push this message forward and not just for plus size women, but for all women. It's just this idea of celebrating who you are um, and accepting who you are and loving who you are. But it's also done great things, I think, for the potential of the industry because we're right at this precipice now where everyone knows plus size women need more representation. They need um, to be considered as a valuable fashion customer and it's, we're right at the point where fashion brands can either choose to embrace that or, you know, be on the wrong side of history, basically. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good way to put it. You know, with that in mind, how do you think that the fashion industry could change, like, for the better in order to help women feel more confident when they're trying on their clothes so that we can have those little moments when we're transforming into who we want to be and having joy while shopping? What, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, well, I think... 
like it's really it comes down to inclusivity again right it comes down to um listening to your customer i think you know with luxury brands they can kind of do whatever they want to do when it comes to these like brands that have real a real customer base and have a, a larger market you really have to listen to them um, and I think for brands that want to embrace this plus size customer, you have to take them into mind. You can't just get your clothes, simply make them in a bigger size and put it out there and think that it's going to be okay. So it's listening to them from the design perspective. It's also making sure they're feeling welcomed when they're shopping. You know, I think we need to get rid of these distinct plus size sections in stores and integrate it with the rest of the clothing with your store merchandising, have I agree. mannequins in the mix, have your images and your signage on the wall, include women of all sizes in these, do it in your promotions and your advertising too. It's saying, we're not doing this because we have to, we're doing this because we want to, we want you to feel included. Um, and we want you to know that we are making clothes for you and we want you to feel beautiful and confident. Right, right. I think that's so well said. And I have a funny little story about this that I just realized. Okay. I'm trying to think about like experiences I've had where I've been really impressed with how they've, you know, introduced their plus size line. And there's only two. One was when I was at Target and they launched the Victoria Beckham collection and they put, you know, the straight size and the plus size together. And I loved that. It didn't affect. Right. Yeah. It was such a good idea. And it didn't affect the shopping experience whatsoever. And I, I love seeing that as a straight size person I loved seeing that and I was all for it and I'm a fan of Target for their you know push for doing that to this day and then the second one you're gonna laugh there is a sex shop <laughs> right across oh, yeah. <laughs> yes oh we're going there it's like on the main road where I live it's right next door to my favorite sushi place <laughs> so I get some sushi right by the sex shop <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's like right there it's so funny and so when the parking lot's full we're like oh well where's everybody going it's either the sex shop or the sushi place <laughs> um but <laughs> or both but um they have two straight size mannequins and one plus size mannequin in the window. Oh, awesome. And I love it. And they're they're all three wearing the same merchandise. And I I remember seeing that for the first time and thinking I've never seen that before, especially when it comes to the mannequins. And here we have a sex shop in Michigan who's doing it right. Isn't that interesting? It, it, it really it's all about it's, it's the integration of two together. It's yeah. Like this is our straight size clothing, this is our plus size clothing, but this is it together. And you mentioned Target, and another great example um, of Target doing this well is their Ava and Viv collection. Right, which is, yeah. It is a plus size collection, so it has that distinction, but it was actually created um, by working with plus size influencers. So they got together this group of, I think it was like five or six, um, really prominent body positive plus size influencers and they actually helped the design process and they brought in their feedback and ran their designs by them and ran everything by them and they were actually included in the promotions too they were the ones modeling the clothes um, but that's really smart too because they're not saying we're making a plus size line because we have to they're saying we're really going to listen to our customer right um, and we're going to empower them with our clothing so I thought that was another good and it's so fashionable I love I love their designs whenever I go there I, I'm like ah I love it I need it you know I think yeah, I love they did the... a really good job with it yeah oh interesting so we're, we're fans of Target and Millie it sounds like <laughs> so um you know is there anything else that you feel like you need to say about you know this idea of plus size I feel like we've covered a lot of ground but you 
you had done such extensive research. I want to make sure we've covered everything that you found. I think the it's just important for people to know that like it doesn't it's not difficult to bring in the plus size customer. Like it it's going to for I guess for brands like yes, you're going to have to adapt your business model a little bit, but it's so worth it in the long run. And right. like the fashion industry is so oversaturated as it is. There's so many brands and designers and clothing lines out there all competing for 33% of the market and if you would only expand and think about the rest of your customers, the plus size consumer just like her straight size counterpoint counterparts is fashionable. She's got money to spend on her clothing. She's a loyal customer when she finds a brand that's right for her and cares about her. I mean, these women are beautiful and they're confident and they want good fashion. Right. Is that too much to ask? (laughs) Well, you know, apparently it has in the past, but now we, I think consumers demand change, right? We now have platforms where we can incite some kind of change like that. I think, yeah, I think we're a lot more empowered now to be able to say this is what we want this isn't okay with us and for women I mean clothing is such it can be such an empowering thing or it can be such a demoralizing thing and if we can make it empowering and make it so that every woman truly enjoys getting dressed in the morning and feels confident and feels like she's able to express herself um that's that's where I wish we all could be Right. Well, you know what? I I think we're so lucky that there's women like you in the world who are here to make that change and to make everyone else feel confident and positive in their approach. And I mean, I know I always have dressing room dread, which is what I call it. So <laughs> I mean, looks good under dressing room. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's that's the next subject we're going to tackle because that's got to be fixed. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's so well said. And I really appreciate you taking the time to you know, talk with us about it and to let us into your world. And I, I really can't wait to see what you do with it and to hear, you know, the positive changes that you end up making in the fashion industry. They need it. Thank you. I hope it's a step in the right direction. I really do. Right. Well, you're definitely making that step. Trust me. I'm like in <laughs> awe. Every every response you gave, I was just in complete awe. So thank you so much for your time today, Lauren. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm going to leave all the links that you mentioned in the show notes below. I'm going to tag you on our uh, for your Instagram if you want. And we'll make sure that, you know, if our audience has any questions that they can reach you in some way. Sounds good. Y'all be my friend. All right. They'll fall in love with you like we did. So, all right, love. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of News Macaroons on air. I just want to extend my biggest thank you possible to Lauren. She is an absolute rock star and I can't wait to see where she goes and what she does with the incredible passion that she has to make a change in the fashion industry. She was also a total champ with some tech problems that we were having in the studio, so I'm super grateful for her patience there as well. If you want to do more research on the plus size industry, all of the links Lauren mentioned are going to be in the show notes. 
And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns for Lauren, all of her social media information and even her plus-size handbook is going to be available there as well. Feel free to share this podcast and this interview with anyone else who you think might benefit from hearing it. Lauren is such an inspiration to us all, and the more we share her solution to the fashion industry's problems, the more we benefit collectively. I mean, come on, we are all in this together. As always, I would be so thankful if you left a review, gave us a rating, or even gave us a shout out on social media. All the links you need will be in the show notes below, just a reminder. (laughs) Thank you for spending some time with me this Friday, and I'll see you all back here on Monday for your weekly Monday Muse. I love you all so much. Until next time, cheers.